Howdy do, neighbor. It's Bree and Spirits time once again. The boys have gathered around, and they're ready for you. So join in, make comments, and study with the guys as they try to study as the Bereans did in Acts chapter 17. Now, here's the guys. Back to another episode of Berean Spirits. My name is Chris Peltz. I am the evangelist with the Southside Church of Christ here in Springfield, Missouri. We've got Richard Dodson with the Kearney Church of Christ up in Kearney, Missouri. Richard, how you doing today, brother? I'm good. I'm hoping we got a deal here. It says the Southside Church of Christ link is not open. So I hope you renewed that. I don't know. If not, remember. if not, some people from your side are having trouble finding us. Yeah. Interesting. Oh. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. We'll look into it. That's all good. Yeah. They'll, they'll find us. So yeah, they can come uh, to the Carney. They can come to the Carney church, uh, site. If you're watching or if you're looking, go to the Carney church site. It's always open. It's, there's better there's better material on it anyway so. this, <laughs> man well <laughs> let's get away from richard real quick josh thornhill with the brookmead church of christ over in johnson city tennessee josh how are you today never heard of him can we get away from him quicker or further yeah, right i'm doing all right i'm i'm, I'm here I'm, I'm here i'm doing all right i'm good yeah awesome awesome glad to hear it glad to hear it you know, uh, it's Memorial Weekend and Memorial Day weekend. Memorial Day weekend. I'm sorry. Yeah. Same difference. <laughs> but, no, it's uh, not. No, it's not. It's only a day. I, oh. No, it's a weekend. Today, Memorial Day weekend. Yep. So it's a weekend, like you said. Well, it's the weekend, meaning <laughs> that it's leading up to Memorial Day. So. Oh, it is a holiday weekend. You could say that. Yeah, for sure. But that's the same as saying Memorial Day weekend. Yeah. Nobody says Memorial Weekend. Everybody <sighs> I says just did. Memorial Day weekend. <laughs> said, no, I'm again, Richard's really uh, if, encouraging if us. Going this to, is a nobody. If we're going to say it, let's say it right. Oh, okay. It just makes fe Richard feel important to yeah. you know, have something to say like that. So. Yeah. Arguing over words. I think Paul could dim that or something. Yeah. I, let's see. Yeah, somewhere. Not when you're right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, I know a lot of folks are going to be uh, remembering uh, past loved ones, and uh, I know it's set up especially for those of uh, military and things, but also uh, just people remembering go to cemeteries, they lay out flowers, and uh, I hope everyone does have a great weekend coming up and is safe in doing so. Uh, but it's also the beginning of the summer for a lot of folks, and uh, as far as uh, just kind of in our mindset, especially in our, our day and age, uh, it kind of marks the beginning of summer. Schools, for the most part, are out or about to be. Pools are opening this weekend, and just uh, just people are gearing up for summer. Grilling season is upon us, right? Hey, 
Hey, hey, Chris got excited about that one. And now, right. grilling, grilling season is all year round. Right? Yeah, that, you got that right. But a lot yeah. of folks. By the way, play, this when, this is when, when they get it. This is when they get it going, right? The big, the first big barbecue of the year sometimes is Memorial Weekend for some. And so, I'm sorry, Memorial Day weekend for some. Thank By you. the way, when are you having us over for that big old cookout, Chris? Yeah, as soon as you can make it. Yeah. Yeah. So before Richard you, gets there and eats it all, right? I'll I'll come. I if Josh, if you came over from uh I don't know, where are you from again? Hodunk, Tennessee, somewhere. You come out of the mountains down there and you come over to Chris's, I'll come down. I'll go. It's only three hours from me. I, but I'll be there. Yeah. To see, well, to see you, Josh. I would go there to break bread with you. There you go, Josh. Let's 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 get it planned. I'd do yep. it. I would do it. So we Josh. we can have we can we can have a big barbecue. Brisket's on sale right now too here. So hey, um, if you've never had Chris's brisket, let me tell you something. Oh, and I'd like to make fun of his brisket. I really would, but it was too good. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate it. Oh man, well. Folks, there's there's a lot of things that people are are looking forward to when it comes to summer. Unfortunately, there's a lot of things that people engage in, sometimes without thought. Sometimes that's the problem. They're not thinking about what they're doing, and uh, there's a lot of sins that people engage in when it comes to uh, the summer and the summer season. And uh, that's what we're going to be talking about today, because as we travel, as we go about uh, this summer, trying to spend time with friends, family, going on vacations and visiting uh, folks and dealing with a lot of heat and humidity. Uh, sometimes we get a little lax with our morality. Uh, and sometimes when we take a vacation from our home, it seems that some would take a vacation from the Lord as well. And that's what we're going to be dealing with. And and uh, trying to give some, you know, just hopefully some friendly reminders uh, about who we are, uh, and it, you know, regardless of where we are, uh, the fact that we are to be God's children, God's people, glorifying Him in any and all situations. So, uh, so Josh, I know this is something that you've you've been passionate about in the past. Uh, it's something that uh, you, I've heard you talk about quite a bit. And so if you want to get us started um, and, and maybe one of the first things when it comes to uh, quote unquote summer sins uh, that people get involved in, what, what is probably one of the first things you think of when it comes to uh, this aspect of things? Uh, well, there's a, a couple that I think are, are some of the bigger, bigger deals. Uh, I think we would say, um, but I think, you know, with a lot of things, it's a symptom of a greater issue. Um, and, and there's something that you just said, and I lost track of exactly how you worded it there. So can you reword everything you just said? No. Um, <laughs> at the end of the day, um, it boils down to the fact that we forget who we are. And whether or not, you know, and I think obviously we we all would, 
you know, in the back of our heads, recognize who it is that we are, you know, we're Christians. Uh, but when it comes to practicality, when, practically speaking, uh, when, when we look at the lives of people who claim to be Christian, sometimes it seems that they forgot who they are. Um, in the book, throughout the Bible, for example, in the book of Isaiah and in Jeremiah, um, we find the concept of the potter and the clay. Um, Isaiah 64 and verse 8 says, Oh, now, O Lord, you are our father, we are the clay, and you are our potter, and all of us are the work of your hand. And when I think that that boils down to the fact that God is the one who makes us, God is the one who gets to define who it is that we are and should be. And I think that's one of the biggest problems that we see today, whether it's with, uh, you know, the sins here in the, the summertime or even with just the overall societal issues that we're facing, like with the gender identity crisis and all that. It all stems from a neglect of the fact that we uh, neglect of the fact that God is the one who defines who we are. God is the one who defines uh, the people that we are called to be. And when we forget that, anything goes. And so I think as we enter into this study, we ought to remember that we are to be defined by God uh, in all that we do because we are his creation. We are his uh, creature and and he is the, the king and we are his subject. We are subject to him in all things. And so I think you, you touched on this a minute ago. I think one of the things that we see that indicates that we forget who we are is when we go on vacation and we neglect to make time for God. I know of folks who have planned trips and, you know, it starts on a Sunday and ends on a Sunday. And it's very clear that there's no opportunity in there for them to gather with the Lord's people and worship. And it clearly just shows what kind of priorities they have, uh, that they're not allowing God to define them in all points of their life. And so as soon as a vacation comes, comes along, they're going to find something more important to do. And then God gets left on the back burner. Um, but at the end of the day, we can't take a vacation from God. Uh, we can take a vacation from our jobs and rest is a good thing. And God gives us the the means to be able to rest and to to enjoy some time uh, in leisure, like vacations. Uh, but we need to make sure that when we do so, we are keeping God at the center of it. I think that's part of what James uh, four talks about when he says to keep God as, as part of your plans. If the Lord wills, we will do this and that. That means keep God at the center of all the plans that you make, and that means I'm going to make time to honor Him even while I'm on vacation. So, yeah, you know, and, and, and probably, boy, and I love telling this story. I, I'm so impressed. Uh, Richard and I's uh, in-laws were in Wyoming in uh, ranch, ran, ran, ranch, ranchito, ranchero, ran, ranch, and I don't know, somewhere up in Wyoming, like the name. Ran, that. Like ranch, yeah. Ranch dip Montana. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but there was this a local church they stopped to visit. And when they walked in, there were two, there are two members. Uh, and, th and that's it. That's for the congregation. But they were actually having a gospel meeting and Bobby Graham was preaching. 
And and they showed up. They were passing through. They had other plans, lots of things that they were going to be doing on their vacation. And uh, when they got there that Sunday and they worshiped with with the the three who were there and now five because uh, my father-in-law and in-law were there, uh, they they changed their entire plans. And that week uh, they stayed right there and. And, and and went to the gospel meeting and worshiped with the brethren that week. Um, you know, and, and, and you know, it, it's one of those things where it really just goes to show you a mindset. It goes to show you, uh, you know, the value that they placed on spiritual things over everything else. Uh, and the, you know, the, the putting others first and, and remembering who they were. First of all, they had left Missouri. They had gone up through Wyoming into Montana. You know, they were going to cross over into Canada and just just have a great time up, you know, in the mountains and enjoying all that, you know, God's creation has to offer. <laughs> and, and and they ended up, you know, spending that entire week there uh, with with brethren. And and I just you're not going to find that happening very often, it, it would seem. Um, you know, people go on vacation and they've got things planned and, and, and I'm not saying you have to do something like that, it, but at the same time, we can't neglect meeting with the saints on the first day of the week, regardless of the travels that we engage in, regardless of, of the vacations that we take, we do have a responsibility, uh, to worship God on the first day of the week. And that's what he expects of us. But most importantly, that's what we should want and desire. And I think that goes to the initial uh, point that you were making, Josh. It, it's much bigger, you know, and there, there's there's a an internal problem when we start to engage in these summer sins. And I would also add to that, you know, Hebrews 10 and verse 24, um, you know, in, in the context of that letter, you have Christians who are becoming discouraged to the point that they're about to walk away from Christ altogether. And, you know, they hadn't turned away entirely from him, but they were heading down the path that led to that that end. And, and one of the things that he mentions in that letter is that you need your brethren. In chapter 3, he says, let us encourage one another daily while it is called today, lest any one of us be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And then you come to chapter four and he says one of the four things that he encourages brethren to do is to consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. At the end of the day, we need our brothers and sisters in Christ. And, you know, when we go on vacation, for example, your in-laws there, uh, what a boost and encouragement it was to those two people who were members at that little congregation. Uh, what Absolutely. a boost it was for them to have really a hundred percent extra people there. And, and it's an opportunity to encourage brethren in other places. And it's an opportunity to be encouraged by brethren in other places. And I think that's a, a wonderful thing to <clears throat> be able to uh, meet more of our family. Now, these are people of God too. These are part of the family of God. Mm -hmm. These people are part of the family of God. And so it's a, a privilege to be able to, to meet them and to spend time with them and to encourage and be encouraged by them. And, and again, like what Chris was pointing out, what our greatest desire 
is should be to serve the Lord at any opportunity and, and time we have and to as John says to love those who have been born of him and when we uh, when we take time whether we're home or away uh, to gather with the Lord's people we're taking opportunity to to love our brethren and to, to encourage them absolutely yeah that's right Richard I know you've got some thoughts on this I'm sure well, yeah, I was just sitting there thinking about, you know, how often when people are first planning a trip, do they even think about whether or not there's a, a church there or where they're going to worship? And a lot of times they don't even look. They don't look. They don't ask. And so going to church is like an afterthought. Sunday comes and it's like, I don't even know where to go. Uh, they hadn't planned on going. And so when you're planning your, your vacations, you know, that needs to be part of your itinerary. You need to make sure that you're looking for a place to go to church and that, you know, you're planning on going there and, and that the whole family knows that this is what's going to take place. So that's yeah. something that, uh, yeah, that's something that just everybody needs to expect. Everybody needs to know. And, and as the uh, head of the family, uh, if you're the father, you need to make sure that uh, everybody knows that we're going to serve the Lord uh, first and foremost, and then we'll enjoy the things that uh, the Lord has set aside for us to enjoy, uh, you know, at its proper time. But yeah. uh, so re real quick, I, I want to interrupt you and, and jump in with, and kibosh one thought on this, because some people justify what they do by completely destroying the scriptures. All right, they they'll run to Matthew chapter eighteen, and they'll be traveling. And sometimes folks will pull over on the side of the road, and they'll have little travel cups of of fruit of the vine and a little you know piece of unleavened bread, and 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 they'll you know they'll do a little service or something in the hotel room or in their vehicle on a Sunday as you said, not giving any thought of where a local church might be. And they justify it with Matthew chapter 18, which is, if anything is ever taken out of context to try and justify something, this would be it. And they, they use that text where it says, where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am with you. And, and that, that has nothing to do with meeting with brethren on the first day of the week. And nothing. Absolutely nothing. He he's not saying that as long as there's two Christians there, that's a church, right? And it 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 just blows my mind how people look at that, and and we stress context, we stress authority, and then they want to use that particular text to justify, you know, doing something that is it that contradicts other clear passages. Um, you know, where they came together in one place as a local church. Um, and, you know, they haven't established a congregation. They're not, you know, a, a church. And I just, uh, I, you know, all right, I'll put my soapbox away now. But don't try to use that passage um, <clears throat> it, because it, it that's not anywhere near what that text is talking about. Uh, you got no. gospel, you got gospel preachers that are advocating that. That well, are doing that very it, thing, which is sad because they, they, they may, they, it's so weird because they do their due diligence in so many other areas and study. 
and, and then we you we and I'll, I'll include myself in this because it, it happens in other areas i'll grant you know i'm definitely not perfect but we will do so good in so many areas and then we try to justify something else and, and so poorly use a passage of scripture and and, and fall into the trap that the devil has set. I want to tell a story. Uh, and this involves Chris. Chris had a church uh, close to where there was a Bible camp uh, that people are familiar with, and they were expecting everybody to show up on a Sunday night. I think it was a Sunday night. Or even and a Sunday morning. It, we, we, we nobody, no, but nobody showed up. And it turned out they decided at the Bible camp to hold their own service. Now, I when they got back, I knew one of the uh, counselors, and they met at the church he was at on Sunday night. We don't have a Sunday night service, but I called him up and I said, "Hey, uh, Catherine and I are going to do this thing. We're, we're, you, know, you guys just send your kids over to our house. We're going to play games and tell some Bible stories, and then after church, come by and pick them up." But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll sing some songs and pray and play games and do this kind of thing. The same thing they do at camp. And, uh, he got all offended. Those kids need to be at church. And I'm like, really? Well, you sure didn't take them to church when you were at Bible camp. Now that's, that's the point I'm trying to get at is that, uh, uh, if you think those kids need to be at church, then you need to be at church. And that means wherever you're at Bible camp or otherwise, you need to, ha you need to be at church, uh, not someplace out in the woods somewhere that you just want to hold a church service, um, go to church, you know, someplace that's, that's established. that's trying to copy the organization that the Lord has laid out for his church. You need to go there and support those brethren. And All I, right. I want to say, this, I will say this. And then I'm gonna throw it over to Josh because I think he's chomping at the bit over here. Uh, that that was in 2004 and 2005 because uh, I, I remember that specifically. But the, some of the same camps uh, that take place today, uh, and and I'll I'll give a shout out to him because it, it went last year, for example, we had over a hundred come and visit with us because they were on their way to the camp. And they stopped and worshiped with us here in Springfield. <laughs> you talk, I mean, we were overwhelmed and overjoyed, you know, because I mean, we were busting at the seams because, um, you know, a new generation, right. Which was, it was just spectacular uh, and, and amazing and because there, there are those that still have that initiative and that, that desire to be sure that they're with the you know the Lord's people uh, in a proper way on the well, first day of the week. Autumn Mabus said that happened at the congregation in Jefferson City, Missouri last year. It was very disheartening for them. But uh, she also complimented your food. So you gotta take <laughs> you gotta take that in stride, right? <laughs> yeah, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, Autumn. <laughs> All right, Josh. Um <clears throat> I, I will say, you know, as far as the Lord's Supper is concerned, um, you know, that's something that it is a very personal thing because we are uh, we are meditating upon the Lord's death for us and, and everything that that means. 
but there's also a sense in which it's a very public thing. You know, it's called communion for a reason, because we're communing with the Lord and his people as we enjoy this feast together. And so it's not something that, you know, we can do in our hotel room uh, by ourselves. It's meant to be with, with other people. And, you know, <clears throat> whether it's talking about the camps, you know, we had a similar situation out in California. We, uh, my mom and dad sent a, John and I to a, uh, one of the camps and, you know, the first year we didn't really know much about it. And they had that little service there on Sunday afternoon, uh, in place of worship and uh, dad was a little uncomfortable with that so the next time we went we ended up uh, dad told the director who was a preacher himself um told him i think we're gonna take our boys a after worship after evening worship and he's like well i wouldn't recommend that but i mean if that's what you're gonna do you know <laughs> and the thing is what i think we're we're missing out on there is the lessons that we're teaching our children. And that's the bigger issue to me, is we're teaching our kids, as long as we have something better to do, then it doesn't matter that we miss worship. And, and we might think that that's no big deal. Well, it's just vacation. Well, what about when, when my friends want to hang out on Sunday night? What about when I've got something else going on? What about when my friends have a have a picnic on Sunday afternoon? What about when, you know, other things are going on? Uh, are it vacation means that we can set it aside. Why can't we set it aside for that? We set worship aside for that. You know, either God's the most important thing or he's not. Yeah. And so, you know, we we need to be consistent with the examples that we're teaching our children and and make sure that God is the first thing in, in our lives and that he we're making him the priority uh, that he needs to be as far as our our life is concerned. Yeah, well, I want to say one thing about this Lord's Supper thing. Yeah. In first Corinthians 11, 18, it says in the first place, when you come together as a church. And then he starts leading, using that to come together uh, talking about the Lord's Supper. Yeah. And I've heard some of these brethren say, well, we are, we're an assembly of the Lord's people. But as a church, meaning, you know, that assembly that's meeting at that camp, is that some place that you're going to appoint elders? Are they going to start overseeing that group? You know, that that's not a church. Right. So anyway, that's. Yeah. You know where I'm going with that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's, that's what we got to watch out for, you know, and again, we, we, we just completely destroy the word of God when we try to justify our actions um, by, by abusing and misusing passages. I want to move on to another sin because this is one that has been brought into the light, at least in some of the things I've seen recently in a very un- uh, maybe uncanny kind of way here recently, even by those of the world, uh, in, whether it's of the world, whether it's, you know, uh, which would include denominationalism and, and other things. And target is the target of uh, what, what I'm getting at because swimsuits, right? Everyone is putting out their swimsuits. People are getting out their swimsuits. They're getting ready to put on their swimsuits 
And a lot of times this is done on vacation. You know, even some brethren go to beaches, they'll go and they'll do various activities away from their home and they'll wear things that they would not wear when they are back home because they think they're away from anyone who's going to see them notice or, or, you know, be able to say anything, which again goes to the heart issue that Josh mentioned earlier, but with what happened at target, you know, just over a week ago, you know, the, the CEO of target was standing by their decision to put out this transgender ideology uh, of uh, inclusiveness and, um, diversity that they wanted to push and said it was good for their business. And they wanted this, this transgender swimsuits uh, to be put out first, you know, out front. And um, there's a lot of people that stood up and said, no, this is not right. This is, you know, you're putting this stuff out even for children. Uh, And they, they walked it back just a little bit, but not near enough. Uh, This, uh, just a couple days ago, maybe even yesterday, uh, and pulled some of that transgender line um, and then tried to justify some of it by saying, well, certain labels were not on the children's swimsuits. But even even with all of that said, there are those of the world. And and I'll I'll even you know, Megan Kelly, who has a, a news uh, uh, personality that has a YouTube channel and other things. You know, she was throwing a fit about just just how scandally clad people are with bathing suits, bathing suits, even for kids where they they don't cover hardly anything. And even when she talked about what it should be covered, even with God's standard, that wasn't enough. But apparently there is a line even for those of the world that seems to have been completely crossed where those of the world are standing up and saying, wait a minute, th- this is completely immodest, completely immoral, and and shouldn't be happening. And, and, you know, Christians look at that line that the world is crossing and throwing a fit about, and they say, well, I'm not anywhere near that line, as though that's the standard that they should be looking at and following and staying away from rather than trying to find out where God's standard is uh, and, and fall into that trap of, you know, well, I, I'm going to wear or not wear certain things away from home, on vacation, down at the beach, but, um, you know, at least it's not as bad as, you know, how far the world has taken things. Thoughts? Um, I have... Uh, plenty. <laughs> Go for it. Uh, at the end of the day, um, going back to, there's a reason I started the way I did. And that is, you know, either we're going to be God defined or not. And if we are God defined, that means he defines every part of who we are. That includes how we dress. And I'll say there are a lot of brethren, you bring this up and they get angry and they're going to get fighting mad because you dare say that what they're dressed, the way they're dressing is wrong. And that's a result of the fact that we've become more 
more in tune with the culture as far as what we dress than we are with the word of God. We've lost our sense of shame, as Jeremiah says in Jeremiah chapter 6. We've forgotten how to blush because we can walk around in a way that God says is naked and we have no sense of, of shame associated with it whatsoever. And the problem is, I, you know, I can stand here and talk about this or I can post an article on social media or whatever and you're going to have women coming out of the woodwork saying, well, yes, your responsibility not to look. That's true. Yes, you're absolutely right. Um, men need to control their hearts and their thoughts and their minds and their, their eyes. That, that's absolutely right. Uh, but that doesn't give the woman the right to dress any way she wants. Because at the end of the day, God does have a standard. God does define what nakedness is. We find... You know, in the book of Exodus, I forget the exact chapter off the top of my head here, but in the book of Exodus, when God is defining, um, I think it's chapter 24, um, when God is defining the garments that the priests would wear. That's Exodus 28, 42. 28? Exodus 28, 42. Right. Okay. When God is defining the the priest, what the priests would wear, um, did you say Exodus 28, 22? Yeah. Um, anyway, he gives instructions for how long these things should be. And I don't see the exact verse that I was looking for here. But anyway, um, part shalt, of the point was... Thou shalt make them linen breeches to cover their nakedness from the loins even unto the thighs they shall reach. Is that what you're looking for? No, that's even that's 42. I heard 22. I'm sorry. Um, but notice verse 43, they shall be on Aaron and on his sons when they enter the tent of meeting or when they approach the altar to minister in the holy place so that they do not incur guilt and die. You think God takes that seriously? <laughs> God was willing to strike these people dead if they walked into his holy place without, with their nakedness uncovered. And so this is not a matter of, well, guys just need to not look. This is a matter of holiness is what it is. And that's the way we need to approach it. You know, we don't approach drunkenness. Well, you shouldn't drink because what if you drive and you kill somebody, an innocent person? Well, that's true, but we don't drink because God says not to, right? You don't murder some, you don't, we don't say, well, you shouldn't murder because think of the family. Think of the, the heartache that you're going to bring that poor family. No, God says not to murder. You know, all these things, we understand it's a matter of holiness, and God says don't do these things, and yet it comes to something like modesty, and we think, oh, well, you know, just don't look. God sets the standard. God gets to define who it is that we are to be and how it is we are to clothe ourselves, and we need to make sure that we are following his pattern in order to be holy as God is holy. And so it's not just I, men looking at women either, right? I mean, you know, men have a responsibility as well to clothe themselves and, you know, for women not to be looking as well. That's my problem. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to be so of good all looking. the problems Richard has. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's hard yeah. for me to guard, you know, my good lookingness from other people, but Actually, I want to, I want to, from puking. I do want to say this. Mm -hmm. If your last thing you, even if it enters your mind, 
you know, when you're dressing, do I look sexy? If at any point that enters your mind, you've already messed up. Yep. So, you know, that's, that's something. Sorry. Go ahead. That's something that shouldn't be on the hearts and minds of Christians, by the way. No, no, we shouldn't want to be luring other people. Uh, you know, Peter in, in first Peter, is it first Peter three? Let me look it up here. Uh, Peter talks about the way that uh, specifically he mentions women here, but he talks yeah. about your adornment. First Peter three, three, yeah. your adornment must not be merely external braiding the hair, wearing ju gold jewelry or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of, of the heart. heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit. Yeah. And you want to know, go to the fashion store, go to the, the department stores, Look for the section for the gentle and quiet spirit. That's not why they're making, that's not how they're making clothes, is it? No. They put they're not making clothes for the gentle and quiet spirit who wants to clothe themselves in the, and, and hide them, or, you know, cover themselves in a way that honors and glorifies God. They're trying to make clothes to show off what you have to make you look sexy. But again, uh, that should never be in the hearts and minds of Christians. And if it is, we've got our priorities mixed up. Yeah, look at the bathing suits of women back in the 1900, early 1900s and compare that to the, the, today and then ask yourself why. Why? What, what's the difference? What happened? You know, they could have, they dressed, they dressed naked at different times in society throughout the ages. Why is it in the early 1900s, the women dressed that way in bathing suits and, and even the men dressed a, you know, a certain way in bathing suits, and now it's different. A ask yourself that. What, what, what's changed? And it's the attitude of people. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> the attitude toward what God wants. There was a shamefacedness. If, if somebody back in the early 1900s walked out on the beach in a bikini, or uh, what is it the guys wear, the, the little Speedo. thing? Yeah. Well, they, they, you know, they would have been quickly made ashamed. I mean, people would have just been, you know, they would have been ashamed and now it's just a fitting in kind of thing. And it's, it's, it makes it to where good people can't visit the beach. So real quick, I, I want to point this out though, because we're talking about a lack of clothing at this point. Uh, but that, that isn't necessarily the only issue here because someone can be fully clothed uh, and covered from like a, a turtleneck from under the chin all the way down to the wrists and all the way down to the ankles and still be just as immodest as someone who's wearing a bikini or something you, you know skimpy like that yeah, when it is so tight well, that's not a summertime sin, but yeah, like leggings. Well, it is with the the workout gear that everybody's wearing. Yeah, that's anymore. right. Yeah, leggings. Absolutely. Can I add though, and you specifically mentioned the, the swimsuits here, um, in world war, when we were developing the, um, the nuclear bombs, um, they were test fired or exploded or detonated on a place called bikini atoll. It's where they tested the nuclear testing site. And that sounds a lot like the swimsuits that many are wearing today. And you know, the reason why they were named that because the people knew that they would be bombshells. 
you know, they knew the kind of attention that they would grab, which is the furthest thing from modest that the scriptures calls what the scriptures call modest. That's not the gentle and quiet spirit. And I think Chris is right. You know, it's not just the um, just the uncovering ourselves, but we can cover ourselves so tightly that it leaves little to the imagination. And that's mm-hmm. just as immodest. You know, there was a, a preacher who said that he had the opportunity to go on a bus trip and he was next to a, um, a prostitute you know, riding along. And he got to speaking about the, the verse in Proverbs that speaks to the attire of a harlot. And he asked her if she had heard of that. And of course she said she had, and he asked her, what do you think that is? And she said that there were five different ways uh, that you could dress in order to allure men. And keep in mind, this is her job. And she described the the five different ways. And I forget all of them off the top of my head, but one of them was, you know, just so tight that, you know, you're not leaving anything to the imagination. Number two is uh, a sheer. Number three was the kind of the bikini effect where you just accentuate only the the parts that you want to to cover. Uh, and so you're accentuating the, those parts by leaving everything else uncovered. And it il- illustrates the point that that's not the kind of messages that Christians ought to be sending. And I will say, we some Christians, they're not obviously harlots, uh, but they're sending that message with the way that they dress, whether they want to or not, that's the message they're sending. And so this is, this is a big deal. Going back to Exodus uh, chapter 28, the people, the priests were struck dead for uncovering their nakedness before God. And, and God's not going to view that any less severely today. Will he? Well, go to Genesis three, right? I mean, they, they, they clothed them. So Adam and Eve clothed themselves. They covered their life-giving parts, as the literal translation would be. Like, like a bikini. Claws is what my version says. Yeah. Like a bikini, they clothed themselves, and God thought it wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. So It's interesting. You know, there in Genesis chapter 3, they had clothed themselves or covered themselves, and yet Adam says, I knew I was naked, and so I hid myself. I thought he covered himself. So yeah. even if he's covered the essential parts... He was still naked. She was as well. And so God provided sufficient coverings for them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these are, and this is just a few of the things that we're touching on and things that we're talking about. But the ultimately the point is when we, you know, are engaging in activities of summer where we are, out on the lake, on the river, we're going, we're out, whether it, it's, it's fishing, whether it's going to the beach, whether it's going to theme parks, whatever it is that we do and engage in during the summer, we must not forget not only who we are, but who's watching. And, and listen, that, you know, those of the world are watching us. They're, they're comparing what we proclaim to be and how we act and contrasting any differences and ready to holler out hypocrite and keep them from coming to the Lord rather than uh, living a life not worried about how the world looks, as, looks at us and what the world thinks, but living a life that says, I, 
I put God first in my life, regardless of what the world says and regardless of where I am and what I'm doing, God comes first. Any last thoughts, Josh? You know, in regard to that, I think of what first Peter four says in verse four In all this, they are surprised that you do not run with them in the same excesses of dissipation and they malign you. Yeah. They're going to make fun of you. You're going to be different, but that just means you're being holy as God is holy. And so, so be it. I know it's difficult to endure sometimes, but so be it. You have a reward in heaven. That's more important. Amen. Yeah. Richard, last thoughts. Well, we didn't get into it, but I do want to address this party cove that's down at the Lake of the Ozarks that so many people in my part of the country and Chris's take off to because it's a party place. And I, I want to read this because it's from the New York Times. Uh, they call it the oldest established floating Bacchanai, if I'm saying that right, in the country. And I didn't know what one of those was. But it's a worshiper of Bacchus, a drunken reveler, an occasion of drunken revelry, orgy, Bacchanali. And uh, it goes back to Roman days. And I would uh, suggest everyone look that up. If you're someone who likes to go to Party Cove and take part in that type of revelry, look that up because that's what uh, the New York Times called it. Sounds and like so debauchery. I mean, close to that word. even. Yeah. Yeah, but it actually goes back to a Roman worshiper of a uh, a god and, and what they actually did. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's just something to look up. I, I just run into so many people, and I know you do too, that like to go to Party Cove. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a place to be ashamed. You don't want to ever want to go there. It's, it's not something, but it's a summertime sin, so. Sure. Uh, before we close, I did want to bring that up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, folks. Appreciate everybody who tunes in and listens to Berean Spirits. Remember, you can also catch us on podcasts and Spotify, Google Podcasts, and other places. As oh, well. oh, we, oh, we baptized a viewer last week. And I want to encourage anyone who watches Berean Spirits, if you ever want to learn more about the gospel, if you ever want to be baptized into Christ, then you reach out to us and we will find you and we'll try to, we'll do our very best to help you. Just, just reach out. Yeah. And I'll give a shout out to Josh, uh, not our Josh Thornhill here, but another Josh who's been visiting with us after listening to Berean spirits as well. And so um, we just do, we appreciate everybody who tunes in and listens and, and, and takes in the messages and studies, the word of God. Uh, that's right. We, um, you know, um, we definitely are willing to study and talk with folks, uh, get in touch with us. Berean spirits at gmail.com is the email address. So, uh, remember that as well, share it out with all your friends and let them know folks until next time, remember to search the scriptures with Berean spirits. Well, folks, that's all for today. Don't worry. Lord willing, the guys will be back next week for another Bible study on Berean spirits. Until then, let the guys hear from you. Drop them some email at bereanspirits at gmail.com. They'd love to hear from you. Until next time, 
keep studying that Bible.